Welcome back for part three of this series that we're in. We're calling it Up. How do you stay up when things are down? Now, just give you a sort of internal glimpse. I actually finished uh, putting the finishing touches on this message about five days ago. And I'm just telling you, since that time, every day that goes by, I've been more and more uh, eager to share this message with you. And I think it's going to help you. It's going to help me. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting uh, into this uh, talk with you in just a couple of moments. If you're just uh, joining us for the first time, you've not been a part of the previous two Sundays when we started the series, uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us. You can follow right along. If you want to go back and listen to the previous two messages, you can certainly do that. And uh, you can just go and, and follow that on demand. You can check that out. Uh, if you happen, because this, this could be a reality that maybe you're watching this service sometime uh, later, maybe weeks or maybe even months later, and you just go back and it's sort of archive or catalog and you see it. And uh, it would be important for you to have a marker that right now what we are dealing with uh, currently is an epidemic. If you're watching this message right away, you already know this, but we're dealing with an uh, an epidemic, the coronavirus, that's not only impacted our local community and the state and the nation, but also the whole world. But we've been sharing with you in this series that um, there's something that e is even more contagious than the coronavirus, and it is sort of the negativity that is prevailing in culture today. And uh, in the previous two weeks, I've just shared this with you, that long after the coronavirus is ended, when, and it will be ended at some point, doesn't seem like soon enough, does it? But it will be ended at some point, but the reality is, whereas this pandemic of the coronavirus will eventually be over, this epidemic of negativity and being ungrateful and passivity, that's probably going to be with us for the rest of our lives. And, and you and I want to steer clear of that. Uh, it would be disastrous if we were to ever get sucked into that. So what they're telling us, the medical community, and I think they're right, is the pandemic of the coronavirus is very contagious. That's why we've entered into all the precautions and social distancing and masks and things that most of us never could have envisioned we would have to do. Well, it's very contagious, and that's why the protocols are being taken. But, but again, the uh, ep epidemic of negativity is even far more contagious than that. And that's why we're talking about it in this series. I want to just share with you a brief quote as we get started today. Uh, it's, this statement is from a guy by the name of, his name is Erich Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R, and he has written this. It's an insightful statement. He says, be careful how you interpret the world. It is like that. Let me say it again. He said, be careful how you interpret the world because it is like that. And what he's saying, in essence, you can figure this out on your own. He's just saying, basically, how your vantage point, how you view things is how you're going to interpret things. So if you see things positive and optimistic and you're grateful, uh, then that's how you're going to interpret the circumstances. But if, if not, you're going to see the world based on your perception. And as I shared with you, I'm extremely enthusiastic about this message today. And would you like to know why? Would you? Would you? Here's why I'm enthusiastic about sharing this talk with you, because I'm going to talk about becoming enthusiastic, how you and I can become increasingly enthusiastic. 
yet I'm going to share it in maybe a different way than what you're probably thinking. You may be thinking, all right, we're going to talk about uh, enthusiasm, and enthusiasm is like our mood, our feeling, our emotions, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to address enthusiasm from that perspective at all. In our time together, what I want us to do is I want us to focus on the spiritual side of enthusiasm. Let me say that again, what we're going to do in the next few moments, and I hope you won't miss a moment moment of what we're going to be sharing today, here's what we're going to focus on is the spiritual side of enthusiasm. And to get us rolling, I want to read one half of a paragraph of a book that I read several years ago. It's a great book. If you've not read it, maybe you'll want to pick it up and read it sometime. The title of the book is called Life Wide Open. It's actually a book about passion. And it was written, as I mentioned, numerous years ago by Dr. David Jeremiah. And again, just one brief portion of the book because it sets the tone for what we're going to talk about in the next few moments. He writes, and I quote, the word enthusiasm, the word enthusiasm comes from two Two Greek words, N E N, which means, he says, I N, 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 the Greek word E N, which means in or within. And then the second Greek, Greek word would be this word theos, or meaning God. Enthusiasm, you can't miss this, all right? Because if you miss this, you're going to be like, okay, missed an important part of this message. Uh, based on that, in theos, uh, God within. And that's, what in, that's the part of enthusiasm. We're going to talk about the spiritual side of enthusiasm, God within. So in these moments that we have together, I really want you to connect that, all right? Maybe you've never thought about enthusiasm from that angle before, but as we talk about it in these next few moments, enthusiasm for us is God within, God inside of us, God within. And I actually hope that your thinking on this is going to last long beyond today, long beyond this message, that it will be something that will carry you for the rest of your life. I want you to consider this, and I alluded, alluded to it a moment ago, real authentic enthusiasm. Real authentic enthusiasm is not a mood, and it's not an emotion, and it's not a feeling. Let me say that again because I don't want you to miss it. Enthusiasm, this spiritual side, entheos, God within, we're not talking about a mood, and we're not talking about what we feel, and we're not talking about our emotions. Not that those things are not real, but it's not the focus of what we're talking about. As we talk about enthusiasm today, we're talking about something that is born out of having God within us. It is a vibrant relationship that you either do have right now, and I hope you do. I hope you do. And if you say, well, I don't really have it right now, it's a vibrant relationship with God that you can have. So I want to check out some verses to uh, help us to get a picture of this, and then we're going to dive right in. A couple of segments of verses. First one, this is Paul writing, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. He says this, but thank God. Thank God. Why is he thanking God? We thank God because God gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God for that. So, my dear brothers and sisters, Paul writes, be strong and immovable. Now, look at this next phrase, this highlighted phrase. Always work. How? Always work enthusiastically, in theos, God within. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. Now, look at this next portion. This 
is still the Apostle Paul, but he's writing to a different group of followers of Jesus. He says this, same idea, in all the work that you're doing, think about that, in everything that you're doing with your life, he said, work the best you can, enthusiastically. It's another way of saying enthusiastically. Work the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for who? For the Lord. Whatever you're doing, work at it as if you were doing it for the Lord and not for people. So whatever, and this is what the takeaway is from what we just let out in these few verses, whatever you and I are doing with our only, our one and only life, whatever you and I are doing with our life, we should do it how? How do we do it? All right? You got to get this. We should do it enthusiastically. Whatever you're doing with your life, Whatever I'm doing with my life, we should do it enthusiastically. Secondly, we should do it for the Lord. We do it because there's this internal passion for God, something that flows out of our vibrancy with God, because God is living vibrantly within us. So as we approach our job or our career, how do we do it? We do it enthusiastically. We do our work as unto God, because God is within us. And you may be saying, well, I'm I'm not even really crazy about my job. I'm not even fond of some of the people that I work with, because it's sort of a toxic environment. And I understand that may be the reality for your life and your circumstances. However, your perspective that you can take into the workplace is one that says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my workplace. I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to do my work. Not for people. We saw that a few moments ago, but I'm going to do my work as unto God. I'm going to work as unto the Lord. And, you know, we can carry that into our home. And when we, you know, uh, go home at the end of a hard day work, uh, we can just say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep some fuel in the tank so that when I get in in the evening, I'm not just going to collapse. It's not like I've just had all of the time for work and no time for my family. We're going to come home. And how are we going to serve our family? We're going to serve our family enthusiastically. How do we approach our friendships? How do we approach our church life, our small groups, our relationships? relationships, what we do with our one and only life, the scripture is clear on this, we do it, how? We do it enthusiastically, and for what reason? We do it as unto the Lord. Enthusiasm, becoming enthusiastic, doing our work, it flows out of having God within. And what I want us to do in the remainder of our time is to take a look at a very well-known person in the Bible. Many of you, if you've been in church for a long time, you're already familiar with this person. Uh, We're going to see him, first of all, as a kid, just a small kid, and then we're going to see him as a king. And what you're going to notice is some transition in his life. You're going to notice when he's very young, he has this enthusiasm, this God within, this entheos. He has it, and he's fired up. We see it as a kid. And then we're going to look at his life as a king. And we're going to see how that this particular person, how that he initially had enthusiasm and how he lost it, and then how he got it back again. You cannot miss this. I'm so fired up for this message. And I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? I hope you are. And some of you are already ahead of me in your thinking because you know the person we're going to talk about right now is we're going to talk about, out of the Old Testament, David. We're going to talk about David, and we're going to see the transitional nature of his life. Let's begin when David is just a kid. It's probably the most famous event in his life around this time is when Israel, 
who, uh, David was a part of that nation, his family, one of the tribes, when Israel was in perpetual conflict in battle with the Philistines. Now, what you need to know, what will be helpful, and some of you know this, some of you need to be reminded of it, David has several older brothers who are enlisted in the Israelite army. And David has been sent by his family to check on his older brothers who are in the army. And so David is sent out. He's just a young, he's not in the army. He's not really old enough to be in the army. He's actually a young shepherd. Keep that in mind because of something we're going to mention in just a few moments. He is a young shepherd. So David is just a kid, but he's been sent by his family to check on his brothers. And actually, they gather up some food for, you know, his family sending to his older brothers, who's in conflict with the Philistines. Now, I don't know exactly how all that played out. Maybe David went through the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A because he couldn't get into the restaurant because the inside is not open. So he had to go through the drive-thru on his, on his donkey, and he just sort of loaded up. And so he goes out to where his brothers are, and he gets to the outskirts of where they've drawn up. There's this valley and this battle that is going on, and here's what would happen every single day. There was a, let's just call him the franchise player of the Philistines. It's, if you've read the story, you know this massive giant by the name, his name is Goliath, this massive giant by the name of Goliath. And here's the reality for Goliath. Every day, he would walk down into the valley. He'd sort of step out from among the rest of the Philistines, and he would walk down, and he would threaten the Israelite army, and he would taunt their God, Israel, our God. And he'd just do it day after day. And when the franchise player, Goliath, would just come down, all the Israelite soldiers, they'd just scatter. They were all terribly afraid of Goliath. And so uh, David comes upon this scene, and he sees what is playing out. And he's like, are you out of your mind? Here we are. We serve our great God, the God of Israel, the God that gives us direction as a nation, as, a, as, as an army. And here you allow this giant, and he comes down, and he, he threatens you, and he taunts God, and he makes fun of God. He trash taunts you, trash taunts God. And all you do is scatter in fear. And, and David didn't like it at all. And so what happens next is, is pretty interesting. I want you to look at it right here with me. David said to him, this is to uh, Goliath, this mammoth giant that the whole Israelite army is afraid of. But David said to him, look at this now, you come to me, because now he's taking a personal investment in what's going on. You come to me using a sword and two spears. Look at this next portion. But I come to you, not with weaponry, not, but I come to you in the name of the Lord all-powerful. David, and I want you to see this, he is passionate. God within, Entheos, I come to you, um, not in my name, not in the name of my nation. I come to you in the name of the Lord all-powerful, the God of the armies of Israel. You, look at this, you have spoken against him, against the Lord all-powerful. You've spoken against him. Look at the next portion. Today, here's what's going to happen. David announces this. And he's just a young shepherd boy. He's a kid. But he says, today, here's what's going to happen. The Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll kill you. It's a little graphic, I know. I'll kill you, and I'll cut off your head. Today, I'll feed the bodies of the Philistine soldiers to the birds of the air and to the wild animals. Then look at this. Then all the world will know that there is a God in Israel. This is that God within that David has. This is such a huge part of the story. 
David had, and you can't miss this, David had spiritual enthusiasm. He had God within him. He had this personal, vibrant, authentic, up-to-date faith and relationship with God, which caused apathy and indifference to be completely absent from his life. And it's important for us to know, as I mentioned a moment ago, for David, as we talk about his enthusiasm at this point in his life, it's not his mood, and it's not a feeling, and it's not his emotion. Instead, it is proportionately linked to the resilience of his faith. Let me say that again. What David has occurring in his life, in the verses that we just looked at, when he comes against Goliath in the name of the Lord God of Israel, and he fully believes that God is going to prove himself, he comes, and this is proportionally linked to the resilience of, of his faith. David has spent time with God, and David worshiped God. You read about his life, and David trusted God. He has an up-to-date faith. He has God within. In fact, I want you to check out these next two verses. Look at how, and we won't read the whole story, but I want you to see at least this part. As Goliath moved closer to attack, so he sort of moves in David's direction. I want you to look at this. It wasn't that David was pushed or shoved. David quickly ran out to meet him. That's an important part of this verse. Goliath moved closer. What did David do? David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into a shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought, and there's so many things that we could talk about out of this, but I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but it was David's spiritual enthusiasm. Catch this now. It was David's spiritual enthusiasm that catapulted him from a puny kid to a powerful king. Let me say that again. It was David's enthusiasm in God within, even as a kid, even as a little shepherd boy, that catapulted him to the place from being a puny kid to a powerful king. And David was not afraid to take on Goliath that day, and many of you are wondering why. I mean, here's a professional army. And they had a king at that time, King Saul, and, and they had a professional army, and, and, um, and yet they were terribly afraid. Every time Goliath would walk down into the middle of the valley, stand between the armies, taunt them, threaten God, trash talk God, they would just run and pray, uh, run in total chaos and fear, but not David. When asked about it later, David would be like, you know what, why should I be afraid of that, that giant? Because there's been time when I've been out protecting my father's sheep, and I'd be confronted by a lion, and I'd been confronted by a bear, and, and David just managed those situations, and he would take care. He would kill the lion or the bear that was threatening the sheep, and for him, there was going to be no difference with the giant. See, what David became is David became a mighty warrior, and it happened out of the functionality of he had God within it's an amazing story, and you can go back later and read over, it, uh, read over it more on your own. He had God within, and it set him on fire. Transition, though. Then tragedy strikes. In the very next book of the Old Testament, when David is now the king of Israel, his time as a kid, as a shepherd boy, is now a distant memory. It's no longer uh, David as a kid. Now he's a king. And as a king, quite actually, he has lost his edge as an enthusiastic warrior for the God of Israel. 
He's now the king, and we don't see the same enthusiasm in David's life, unfortunately. Now as king, David is very comfortable, and he's very complacent. And there's some really important language right here, and I want you to see it. It's in the very next book in the Old Testament. This is 2 Samuel. It is tragic in every way, but I want you to see it. There's a couple of phrases here I really want to point out to you. It says, in the spring of the year, look at this phrase. It's so important. When kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight against the Ammonites. This was a time when David, as a warrior king, should have went out with his troops. When kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, here's that next phrase that I want you to see. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. He's not on the front. He's lost his edge. He's not on the front edge. He's lost his edge. He stayed behind in Jerusalem. Look at the next portion. Late one afternoon, and this is when everything begins to unravel in his life. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, he's just kicking back. David got out of bed. He wasn't with his troops. He wasn't fighting. He was complacent. He was comfortable. David got out of his bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, because he had a vantage point from where he lived, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that that is a reference to Bathsheba. Many of you that are familiar, and we don't have the time to go into the totality of the story, but this is the beginning of a really tragic time in David's life. And I don't want you to miss this, because David was not where he was supposed to be. He saw something that he should not have seen, and he thought something that he should not have thought, which led him to do something that David never should have done, and as a result of that, he lost something that he never should have lost. Just in case you missed that, I want to just say it again because it's so important. It is the transition in David's life from a warrior kid who grew as a shepherd boy into a complacent, comfortable king. David was not where he should have been, and because he was not where he should have been, he saw something he should have never seen. He thought something that he never should have thought, which led him to do something that he never should have done. And as a result, he lost something that he never should have lost. As a kid, David was filled with great enthusiasm, God within. But as a king, he's comfortable and he's apathetic. I want you, no matter where you're at watching this right now, it's really important. I want you to hit pause. I want you to do, as I mentioned earlier in this service, I want you to just do a timeout right here, right now. Would you do that? Now, here's what I want you to do next. I want you to buckle up, and I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. You and I are not immune to what we've just seen in David's life. Not necessarily specifically of the way that everything played out in his life because there are other kind of circumstances that are indicative of when we've lost God within, our passion, our fire for God. This could happen to any of us where we haven't been one time enthusiastic and just on fire and passionate God within and Theos on fire, passionate, charging into battle. Same thing that happened to David can happen to us. Instead of being enthusiastic, spiritual enthusiasm, we instead become apathetic and we get really comfortable and we become really complacent and it causes us to become more vulnerable. 
While I was working on this message, I couldn't help but think, and I just sort of put everything down, and I just went back to that time when I first became a Christian as a teenager. And I was just, man, I was so fired up for God. I can remember my first job. I turned 16. Mamma, my grandmother, helped me to get a job at the hospital. And in the same month that I turned 16, I, I now am, a, uh, am an employee of the hospital in the suburbs there in Atlanta where I grew up. And I can remember I would go in, I'd go to school during the day, then I'd be at work by three, and I would do brain surgery for many hours, not really. I would transport patients. And so I would get through, and, you know, I worked 3 to 11, and toward the end of the evening, from about 8 or 9 on, it would be really quiet in the x-ray department where I worked. And I can remember so many times I would take uh, my Bible. And I, I didn't really understand it a whole lot. And there'd be things I'd read it, like many of you, and just say, I don't quite get this. But other things, God was just like speaking powerfully to my life as a young Christian. And I'd just go back to that back desk and I'd flip on the x-ray lights where the doctors would put their films and they're long gone and it's late in the evening. And I'd just open my Bible and I would just read and read and read and I'd talk to God. And I was fired up about my relationship with God. And, I, you know, reading God's word and praying was important to me. Going to church, connecting with Christian friends to help me grow in my relationship with God was like really, really important to me. It was in theos. It was God within. It was this newfound passion that I had not known in my life previously. And I'm just on fire for God. But I think all of us know it can be so easy for you are so easy for me to lose that enthusiasm. And I want to just ask you, has, has that happened to you? Maybe it has. I hope it hasn't, but maybe it had. Maybe right now where you're sitting, you're like, you're hearing this and you're like, oh man, that is me, that is me. I've lost my enthusiasm. I used to have this huge appetite to feast, to eat, to intake God's word, but I don't really do that anymore. And I'm not praying, you know, with faith-filled prayers like I used to pray. And I'm not as committed to the body of Christ, to church. And, you know, I, I go when I feel like going or when I don't want to sleep in or when I don't have other plans. And maybe you've lost some of that. Or maybe you've lost some of that ministry edge where you were like, I have spiritual gifts and I want God to use me. And, and maybe just over time, you've lost that enthusiasm. Maybe, maybe you're just saying, now there's some things that I'm taking into my life that when I had that passion and that energy, that newfound faith, that I, I would have never listened to that kind of music. Or I never would have watched those kind of movies. Or I never would have participated in that. And maybe you've lost that edge. You and I must refuse to, to uh, we must refuse to move from our calling into comfort. That's true for your life and mine. Now, what happened in the life of King David hundreds of years ago, as we said, is a tragic, tragic picture of what happens to a lot of Christians today. In fact, we were in the Old Testament. I want us to jump over to the very last book in the New Testament, last book in the Bible. And this is the words, not of Paul, not of David, but the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Would you take a moment and would you just read that out loud with me? Yet I hold this against you, Jesus said, you have forsaken your first love. May I ask you right now, in just a few moments, we're going to be wrapping this service up. But before we do, could I just ask you lovingly, have you lost, have you forsaken your first love? Have you lost your enthusiasm for, and your passion for God, maybe things that are near the heart of God? If so, what do you do? 
Why do you do? If that's like, you're saying, man, that's me. I once had it. Maybe you're like David, like your story, although the circumstances are changed and the names and faces are different. You're like, hey, that's me. I, I had it and I lost it. And how do I get it back again? Jesus actually will not look at it, but you can read later, picking up at Revelation, the very next verse in chapter 2, Jesus tells us what to do according to Jesus. In the very next verse, he said, this is what I want you to do. If you've lost your first love, then here's what you do. You remember. You remember what Jesus is talking about. You remember how you got started. You remember what it was like when you were a new Christian and how you felt about the Word of God and prayer and church and ministry and a small group. You remember what was once so vibrantly a part of your life. You remember that. And then Jesus goes on to say, we not only remember, he says, we repent. We repent. You repent. I repent. We repent of what? We repent of our sin, and we repent of our complacency. And then Jesus goes on to say, there's something else we need to do. Not just remember, not just repent, but then we need to recover. Recover what? Our first love, our enthusiasm. Now, here's some great news for King David. As I mentioned to you, and I like it because it has a good ending. Don't you like it when you're watching a movie and you're like involved in the drama of the movie and then it has a good ending? I like movies with good endings. If I watch a movie and it has a bad ending, I feel like I've just wasted my time. But this is more than a movie. This is an actual life and it has a great ending because King David, he had it, he lost it, and thankfully he got it back again. And I'll just show you uh, a couple of three verses here and we're going to wrap up. Later, after all of this, and David gets sort of his enthusiasm back again, he says to God, he stands before God, and he says, Create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence, God. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And then he says something that maybe you're saying today. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's great news for King David. He had God within, in Theos. He had it as a kid. He lost it as a king, but he got it back again. Now, that is the good news. That's a great ending to the story of David's life, but I have great, great news for you, for you. You can get it back again. It's not too late. It's not too late. Would you like to receive Back into your life, again, what God did earlier, that entheos, that God within that spiritual enthusiasm, then you would simply do, I think, what we just saw David did in Psalm 51, where he says, God, here's what I'm asking you to do. Create within me a pure heart. Create. God, my heart has become cold. My heart has become hard and created me a clean heart. And God, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to give me a willing spirit, a cooperative spirit, so I'm not trying to do it my way, my life, my way, but I want to do my life, God, your way. Give me a willing spirit. And then David said what all of us need to say. And God, restore to me the joy, the enthusiasm of my salvation. Spiritual enthusiasm as we close. It's important for you to realize it's not a mood, and it's not a feeling. It's not even emotion. Spiritual enthusiasm, entheos, God within, and it gives us everything we need to be all that God intended that we would be. Now, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? If you are a Christian and you have lost your enthusiasm, 
right there where you're at. Your eyes are, are shut. Your head maybe is bowed. And you just say, this, this talk, this message has really been where you're at right now. You would just say, God, help me. Help me to remember how I got started. Help me to remember what it was like when I first gave my life to you. I want to give my life. I, I want to just rededicate my life. I want to remember where I was. I want to get back there. And God, I repent. I repent that I've become complacent. I repent that I've become comfortable, too comfortable. I repent of my sin. God, I want to receive again the joy and enthusiasm of your salvation for my life. And it's not too late. And just as there was good news for David, there can be good news for you. Now, some of you, I'm I'm going to just say this real quickly, and then I'm going to pray. Some of you, you're a seeker, a spiritual seeker, maybe... You're a skeptic even. Maybe you're a stray. Maybe you're somebody that you grew up in church and you walked away some time ago and you're like, wow, I've just, I, I know what it was like to be fired up for God. I know what it was like to be walking in a vibrant, personal relationship with Jesus. But just over time, you've strayed. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to receive again the forgiveness and the grace that God has for you. It's never too late to get a new beginning. And I want to pray with you. In fact, would you repeat this prayer after me? Jesus, I want to have you come into my life. I I want to receive your grace. I want to receive your forgiveness. I know uh, salvation and getting into heaven is not something that I can just earn. And it's really not even something that I deserve. It's a gift. It's a gift of grace. And I want to receive it into my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you let us know? And let us know. We'd love to follow up with you. I am so glad that you joined us today. If we can serve you, help you in any way, please let us know. I love you, and I look forward to seeing you back here again next week. God bless.